At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says... Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that asks you to please be quiet. We can't hear our jokes dying. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sip Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. <laughs> right, oh, governor. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he all of a sudden isn't hungry for apples anymore. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. No, boy. <laughs> Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our mind. Hey, it's a classic Aaron and Andrew episode today. Oh, back to the OG ways. Back to the OG ways. Um, excited to talk about uh, a couple movies. One, I know you're not a huge, uh, you're not huge into the Downton Abbey universe. Uh, Never so, seen anything. So you'll be able to play the curious onlooker. Uh, in Wait, that one. did we? Did the, did Downton Abbey come out with another movie like before? Yes, this, one? this is the second movie. Yes. Then I think I, I saw the other movie you out of have. context, yeah, and it didn't bode well the first time. So, uh, but well, if but I'm I'm gonna make up for it because I have a lot to say about the other movie. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure we do. Uh, the other movie is Men, Alex Garland's uh, new film from A24. Both movies in theater this weekend. Uh, before we get into it, we don't often do this, but I uh, do want. Uh, to address uh, some uh, chat questions uh, that have come in as we're usually Uh. live when we do this show. Uh, Endgame Angel says, Aaron, you had previously uh, said that y'all might revisit Moon Knight to discuss the finale. Do you think that's in the cards? Um, I don't know. I don't know that we'll do like a full uh, review or anything, but we might do it as a member exclusive. We've done that before with some of the Disney Plus shows where we get up to the last episode and then we talk about the the full season um, on the member show. This this The member show this week is A20. We talk about our favorite A24 movies, um, but maybe we can talk about Moon Knight 
uh, on that one sometime. And then also back in 2017, we're going back five years, Andrew, uh, mm-hmm. on a Do We Care, Andrew predicted that the Nintendo Switch would be successful, but not as much as the Wii. Well, Andrew, the Switch has now outsold the Wii globally um it really it took them long enough they, it's kind of mind-blowing because who would ever think you could do anything as successful as the wii the wii was just like a cultural phenomenon it was yeah um but man um, they've stuck with the switch thing yeah I, I mean good for them i'm i'm happy you know people make money <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta Give be me- because it's gotta be because it's just, I mean, it's Nintendo's thing, right? They're they're willing to kind of experiment with form and function and those kind of things. And yeah. so they're like, you know, what if we did a console that was also a handheld? Is that yeah, possible? Portability. Is that possible? And apparently it is possible. And people really dig that idea. So, um, And when we so. say console, we're not talking about like a, a, like a Nintendo uh, GameCube or, or not mm-hmm. GameCube, but a, like a, uh, I forget what Nintendo's like handheld, you know, uh, stuff used to be called yeah. but yeah portability uh goes a long way so yeah well there you go uh thank you for those comments appreciate the people that hang out with us live and watch live pretty awesome stuff uh let's go ahead and get into it let's start with a review of men the words i have to say it's a beautiful house would it just be you staying or excuse me mrs Mother? no until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Y- yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I I'm I, joking. I... Oh. <laughs> In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears. Uh, As mentioned, Alex Garland uh, bringing this movie to us. You may know Alex Garland from films like Ex Machina, uh, which many people love and enjoy. Jesse Buckley starring in this. Um, what did you think? Annihilation. Annihilation as well. Yes. Uh, what did you think, Andrew? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell us, Andrew, where do you land? I'm going to go with... I'm sure it's easy I, to sum I, up in one word. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with, I really didn't like it. Okay. Really didn't like it. I'm going to go with really liked it. Uh, so this, this could be an interesting, uh, interesting one. Um, I, I guess that means I get to start, right? We usually start with yeah. whoever likes it the most. Uh, man, is this a mother situation all over again? Um, this is, this is one of those things where if you can stomach the form, there's some really interesting metaphor in thematic stuff going on here. Yeah. Some, some real like thinky stuff to process really important stuff about gender and um and uh all sorts of stuff so like there's a lot of stuff going on in my brain um and it outweighs the part of me that's like "Eh, it's not the kind of movie i want to see but you know like i get you know what's going on here um so i was i was really impressed and and honestly even the stuff like uh and i guess without spoiling it uh you know i'll just say there's there's some 
let's just say some some graphic human stuff uh, that happens towards the end of this. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. And I don't approach that stuff and go, ooh, gross. I approach that stuff and go, you know, there's this is like a a very real thing that's being represented in a metaphorical way. Is it? <laughs> kind you of. You want to backtrack at all, Aaron, on that statement? <laughs> You're going to stick with that. I just, all I'm meaning to say in this part is just, I don't come away going, oh, gross. For me, when I say it's a movie that it's not necessarily the kind that I usually like to watch or whatever, it, it's talking more about the darkness involved. There's a real, there's a real darkness to it. Kind of a horror movie vibe, not even kind of, there's a real horror movie vibe here. Um, and it's, it's definitely kind of one of those social message horror movies, which allows me kind of an, uh, an end to uh, be able to say that I enjoyed it. Always a weird word to use when yeah. uh, you're dealing with a movie like this, but I just think it's, I just think there's a lot to talk about here and I always love that. I love that oh, yeah, stuff. So for sure. So yeah. What are your first thoughts? So I really liked a lot of this movie. I really did. Um, the question is, can 10 minutes of footage ruin a film? <laughs> the answer is yes. You just didn't want to see it. You're just like, I don't want to see that. I don't I you, don't need that in my life. Let me tell you that also. Um, I haven't been able to think of anything else uh, for the entire week besides that one s- section. So it's and kind of, the, so is it like a trauma thing even? Like there's kind of like a trauma element to it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll tell you this. So in my theater... One person got sick. Three groups got up and left. Wow. And the rest were doing that uncomfortable laughing. Like, uh, that is so different than my experience. And I had like yeah. a half full theater. Mine and, was full. Yeah. And, uh, well, not at the end. But yeah. <laughs> I had a half full theater, and everybody seemed to just be processing. Like, n- nobody seemed to be like laughing yeah. or horrified or, I mean, not. Yeah. Uh, visibly horrified i should say yeah yeah uh my, my theater definitely was i could hear the person next to me whisper to the person next to them like their partner and go i shouldn't have had that edible <laughs> <laughs> no you probably yeah. shouldn't have no yeah yeah but i'll say this i like i said i liked everything about the movie besides that one section mm. And because here's the thing, I think it's it's saying a lot of interesting stuff about gender roles, you know, how, you know, uh, in like a stereotypical tox- toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's talking about all these amazing things. But at the same time, when you get to the ending of this movie in those 10 minutes that we're talking about here, that overshadows everything that I cared and liked about this movie to where I... It's, I have to, you know, really think. I have to really focus on all the parts of this movie that I really do like. Mm. Because what happens at the end of this movie is so wild and insane. I mean, this movie walked up to everything, everywhere at all at once. And after it said, oh, we're going to make the weirdest movie of all time. (laughs) This movie just said, hold my beer. And went for what is one of the most vulgar, vulgar, grotesque. Graphic. Let's go with graphic. Okay, fine. Graphic. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. What you liked? Did, no, I'm not going to say you like this part of the movie. But what is this part, section of the movie trying to say? I think it's trying to do a few things. Uh, and again, without spoiling this, this, spoiling it, it may be difficult to kind of talk around this. Um, sure. 
but uh, I think it's trying to do a, a few things. One involving the uh, normalization of a very real part of life. Um, you know, there's there's something it's <clears throat> doing with the understanding of when it comes to gender and the idea, especially of biblical gender roles, the idea of the apple in the garden, the idea of, yeah. uh, you know, like the, one of the first things that uh, God says after uh, they have forbidden their conversation fruit. about the forbidden fruit is that, you know, women are going to deal with pain during childbirth. And there's this like this whole thing about being a woman that has so much to do with being able to you know, uh, make a baby. Like there's, there's something there that is, that is being dealt with in, in asking us to confront, um, the very real trauma and reality of, of what all that means. And then there's also something there about the, the unbroken circle, the idea that toxic masculinity breeds toxic masculinity, the idea that, you know, uh, patterning is a real thing. And so, you know, you, you come from somewhere before you that you learn things from, and it's hard to, break that cycle sometimes um and it's also a yet another way that the movie is saying that uh that these men specifically that she is dealing with are the same they are you know they are all in one way pieces of each other and um and similar there are several ways the movie says this and i i really enjoy that uh symbolism and symmetry uh that the movie does with a lot of that i want to i want to jump off of that uh, how most of these men are the same in 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 this scenario for her. I want to talk about how awesome Rory Kinnear is. Right? I mean... <laughs> probably since... probably the best 30 performances I've seen this year from Rory Kinnear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say, it, it reminds me of uh, Anomalisa and Yes, Anomalisa. Split. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Split too. Yes, yeah. Although Split's a little bit different because it's, you know... It it really Different. is just this, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But Anomalisa, I definitely. But, uh, but I'm of. talking about like performance, like mm-hmm. the way he has to like portray all these different people. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's very Anomalisa esque. And I was like, wow, this is a really, really difficult thing for an actor to do. And yeah. he did it astonishingly, un- yeah. astonishingly it, well. If you haven't seen this movie, this must be very confusing to you, kind of us kind of talking around some of these things. Um, but I do think it's part of the movie's presentation. We may do an, an in-show spoiler section with this one, just to briefly mention a couple things, because I don't think it needs a whole sift spoil. But um, no. we'll, we'll warn you when we're getting into that. But there are some things I want to just say out loud and... and uh, they might be a little bit spoilerish uh, for yeah. some. So, what else? Uh, Jesse Buckley, I think, is. I think she's found her element because I think she does really. W- Excuse me. I think she does really well in like this semi horror esque mm-hmm. genre. She has a, a a way of keeping you grounded in a ri- ridiculous isn't the right word, but a yeah. uh, surreal environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think she's an amazing actress, and I I just love seeing her and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a section in this movie that takes place in a tunnel with her singing and echoes. Mm. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Mm. I the the music in this movie overall and the yeah. the sound design in this movie is chef's kiss. Like it is yeah. so good. And that section is some of the most brilliant sound-based movie making i've yeah. i've seen in a long time it's it's yeah. beautiful yeah mm-hmm. i agree yeah and the way it works with silhouettes and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah yeah 
Yeah, and again, there's there's you know there's there's all these themes about you know that's you know that section takes place in a tunnel which could be representative of the birth canal and just yeah. you know like there's all this visual symbolism in in imagery um you know through this entire movie so yeah yeah uh anything you want to talk about i've kind of been dropping bits and pieces here and there you mentioned jesse buckley i think she's spectacular in this i think she's uh, asked to yeah. pull off a lot and a a big range and i absolutely believed her performance one of the interesting things and you know maybe we'll just maybe we're probably about five minutes from finishing this thing up so let's go ahead and just in and kind of uh be willing to talk about a few spoilers here before we do uh just overall i think we've already kind of said it but uh, this is a a a very one of the most cautious recommends uh i can give because obviously this movie is going to uh be off-putting to some um but uh but I, I, it's just it's it's it is brilliant. I do think it's brilliant. Um, and Andrew would kind of fall on the other side of that coin, I believe. Yeah, man, it's it sucks because ninety percent of this movie I was really digging, and it's just I think that it's last scene really good. Yeah, honestly, it's that last scene that ruins the movie because it's traumatizing to watch. Sure, sure. You know. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, spoilers uh, here for a little bit um, for men, uh, probably for the next five minutes or so. Um, so what I, the reason I want to bring this up now is because the thing we were talking around earlier is that you know um, all of the men have the same face, all of them from yeah. chil- from children to priests to police officers to the stalker. Um, you know they they all have the same face. Jesse Buckley is asked to do something very interesting here where she isn't she isn't i don't know if the movie is saying she isn't aware or if she's just not um recognize it except you can feel in her that there is a similarity here like it's it's she's not like shocked like how do you have the exact same face as this person which in, in real world obviously if you see a man's face on a child that's going to be your reaction but there is still a simmering little bit of like, what is going on here? Why are all men like this? You know, that is is something I'm sure many women deal with. You know, this idea of you know uh, understanding uh, men and who they are and and those kind of things. Um, so I really appreciated that part of her performance, and I don't think it yeah. was it was easy to do. Um, I do have a question for you since we're right here on the men all looking yeah, yeah. the same thing. Does her friend from home also have his face? No. Are you sure? Even just a Gale, little bit. You're may- talking about Gail yeah. Riley? Maybe even just a, maybe even just a little bit. Like they've put like a little bit of him on her. Do you not think so? It's possible. I, I could I'm be wrong. I could be wrong. But uh, from what I remember, I just remembered. It's it's Gail Rankin that plays the part. Yeah, Gail Rankin. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered. There were times when I thought I saw like his eyes in her and i wondered if the movie was trying well, to say something about that e- even women that. sometimes have masculine because she's kind of playing like an aggressive role in the whole situation too oh yeah i'm coming i'm right. gonna come get you. yeah right so it was interesting uh, to me well there were those moments where the the screen glitched and we did see rory's face you know mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's true but, uh, I, I i could be wrong honestly the the sam samuel the kid that was the most like, what's going on here? What what, what is this? That's mm-hmm. that's not that face isn't right. That face isn't right. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um. Um, there's also this the thing the movie does where the injuries that she is creating in these men during the last pursuit and, uh, you know, kind of the the horror movie part where she's being actually pursued and has to defend herself. The, the injuries that she is creating match the injuries yeah. of her uh, late husband. husband. Um, and man, that's just, it's just such a brilliant way f- to understand like, Oh, this is a movie about the trauma of relationship and tragic ends to relationships and even the bird when it flies in the bird's leg is broken in the same way like yeah. it's it's just it's i don't know i just i found it all really really fascinating here here's here's one issue i had with the movie i get that all the men in this movie have the same face and that they're supposed to be you know the different types of you know m- masculine behavior mm-hmm, sure. you know like there's the overbearing, there's mm-hmm. the the creepy, there's the stalkery. Um, why Rory's face? Why Rory Kinnear? Is he a representation of somebody else in her life, no, or is he just I think a he face? Is men. I think he is. He men. is men. He okay. is men. And the okay. the fact that we come back to James, her husband, uh, yeah. is is the the bookend. But no, Rory is men. Like if there were a monster in this movie, the monster is men, and that is the name of Rory Kinnear's character, even though it's yeah. Jeffrey technically um, when he starts. But yes, yeah. um, that's my interpretation. Uh, okay, of I that, just didn't know if if I missed something. Like if he was to represent like a father figure to her, or if he was to represent something. I don't think so um although there could be little elements of that with especially the caretaker character that he plays um which every character is creepy in its own way um but but yeah i i think that's that's my understanding really to me if i were to pull like one theme from the center of this I think it has to do with guilt and blame. I think this this is definitely yeah. what we're dealing with with their marriage, with the situation around what happened with their marriage, and the idea that from the very beginning, a man is telling her, it's your fault that I'm this way. It's your fault that I'm doing this. And man after yeah. man in this movie does that to her. It's your fault that this is happening. Um, even when she's you know doing stuff in, in self-defense or whatever, it's your fault. Even if you look at the biblical allegory of the apple, um, what's yeah. what are Adam's first words when he's confronted about this? It wasn't me, it was the woman you gave me. Like it's like it's this whole idea that that, you know, um, this uh, gaslighting idea of that's all you it's not me like yeah. you make me act like this you make me do this um and i think that that is the like the center that everything revolves around uh in this uh if i'm reading it correctly so no 100 yeah. percent. yeah there's definitely a biblical element to this movie that is um very prevalent especially in the church you know with the mm-hmm. uh that uh, I want to say altar, but it's more like a podium, you know. Uh, yeah, it's like a sculpture podium with the screaming yeah. man face on one side and the birthing woman on the the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and there's there's stuff going on with nature and the idea of like um, uh, I think at least a lot of the stuff with the stalker character represents well, you know, I was made this way. I'm just a man, like you know, I'm it's my primal instincts, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, as an excuse. Uh, so yeah, man, so much to unpack here. And I guess at the end of the day, that's probably why I come away just going, yeah, I think I'm, I'm think I'm on the liked it side. Um, 
even though yeah. again not exactly the kind of movie that i'm like begging to see uh so no. yeah yeah no yeah um 90 percent of the movie i really really liked <laughs> But you know what? You can't. The movie doesn't work without the last ten percent, though. You know oh, what I mean? Oh yes, it does. Yeah, I don't think so. You could definitely find a different ending to this. Oh no, movie no, you, that... you maybe could find a different ending. I'm just saying, if you like told somebody just watch the first ninety percent of the movie, I think you're. Oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. For some people, I might <laughs> like. Hey, mom, dad, watch ninety percent of this movie, then just turn it off right whenever uh, Jeffrey gets in the car and turns around. <laughs> oh man, the the sound design of the screams in this movie. Yeah, like, they they match up tonally with the music, oh, pitch, tone, and pitch. Yeah. it's so. Oh, I just I, f- I find so much impressive about this movie. Um, so yeah, that is no. men. Yeah, we uh, we didn't even talk about it. Alex Garland, you know, every, with every single movie, he proves that he is a visual master. Mm-hmm. Uh, his work and the way he's, you know, what uh, I forget the name of the per- lady who directed Hereditary. Uh, who directed it? That was Ari Aster that directed Her- Hereditary, right? Yeah, Ari Aster. This felt so much like an Ari Aster movie. Yeah, like it, like a a very did you say, grounded did you say knowledge. Lady, I'm just I'm trying to figure out the gender thing. Ari Aster is a man. Um, oh, I always thought the Ari. Oh, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, not that it matters. That's on me. What, what was I? I was. <laughs> it matters no, for this I'm discussion, of, but I was for some reason in my mind. I had in my head that the same person who did Babadook also did. Ah, this. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, but that is 100 percent wrong. No, yeah, Ari Aster. Uh, Actually, even the Babadook, you know, uh, Jennifer there's, Kent. I think there's an uh, there, there, there's an understanding of of the horror genre that uh, Alex Garland totally, you know, yeah. just has down. So I think yeah. I had I had two. Uh, uh, this is a similar experience to two other experiences. One I already mentioned was Mother, um, and it's very si- it's very similar to Mother in that there is some traumatic stuff in Mother. Not I don't know quite to this level, but. Um, but there's definitely some stuff going on there, but more the metaphorical side of things is kind of, yeah. you know, and why I mentioned, and the biblical side of things is why I mentioned mother. Um, yeah. and then the other is Midsommar, um, which I haven't seen speaking of Ari Aster, Ari Aster. Yeah. <laughs> which that is really where it's like a movie where it's like, yeah, I can understand how some of these visuals would traumatize people, but there's something about it that is so brilliant and appeals to me on an intellectual level in a thematic level that I really like the movie. The other similarity, although more mid- Midsommar than this, this actually is is not daytime horror. There's some daytime horror here, but th- there's also, you know, night and dark and, and those kind of things. But yeah. I do I do like when a horror movie is like, no, th- it just presents itself as I'm not trying to trick you by putting everything in shadows and, you know, scaring you by those kind of ways. I'm scaring you because what you actually are seeing is, you know, a traumatic. Um, so. So, yeah. So they, they kind of reminded me of each other uh, in that way. Uh, there you go. That is men. Um, a very cautious. Does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> it is uh you're, you're right um wait do they do they have a conversation her and her friend have a conversation about something other than men i think I there's know. only one time in this where she's trying to give a, her a tour of the house yeah could be could be other um, than that nope. <laughs> uh yes uh all right let's move on uh to another pleasant trip to the english countryside it's uh two pleasant trips to the english countryside <laughs> 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about Downton Abbey, A New Era. Years ago, before you were born, I met a man. They spend a few days together and he gives her a house. You never thought to turn it down? Do I look as if I'd turned down a villa in the south of France? Telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton. A moving picture at Downton. But the big old stars, famous ones. I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered. There is something about him, like a wild animal ready to spring. Ready to spring on you, you mean? The Crawley family goes on a grand journey to the south of France to uncover the mystery of the Dowager Countess's newly inherited villa. Uh, as mentioned, Andrew is not a Downton Abbey fan. I am a Downton Abbey fan. Um, my wife and I watched this show together. Absolutely loved it. Uh, it is very much a soap opera. Uh, you know, the time frame is over the turn of the 19th to 20th century. Uh, this movie brings us into the 1930s. Um, and, uh, we're a lot of the plots revolve around stuff that was happening in the thirties. It's enough past world war one and world war two isn't, you know, right upon us. Um, and so it's kind of that in-between era of what's going on. Um, if you are a Downton Abbey fan, you will know many of these characters. In fact, one of the things I've liked about the movies is they really do bring, uh, everyone back, uh, that's still alive. Uh, spoilers, people do die in the, the television show. Um, and bring them back for new and adventures. This is for me, um, kind of, you know, this is my Avengers end game. Uh, it's so many characters trying to, uh, give them all plots, give them all purpose and, uh, put them in a, a situation that makes sense. Uh, on the liked it, loved it, disliked it, hated it, or it was just okay scale. Where are you, Aaron? I'm going to go with a low side of liked it, um, yeah, I'm just going to stick with low side of liked it. I was going to say high side of okay, but no, it's better than that. Low side of liked it, maybe even middling into just a straight liked it. Okay. And Question. Yeah, go ahead. Just real quick. Uh, so this doesn't take place in Downton Abbey? So a lot of it does. A lot of it takes, oh, okay. still takes place in the Abbey. Um, uh, I was just going solely off of the uh, synopsis where you said that they sure. go to the south of France. So. And they do. They do go to France. And that is one of the major plot lines. I think there are... Two major plot lines. Uh, there are certainly many, many minor plot lines, but there are two major plot lines. One is that they're finding something about uh, the Violet character, which is Maggie Smith, who is brilliant in Downton Abbey. She's probably the best reason to watch this show. She is so funny. Her lines are so quippy and interesting and funny. Um, and uh, so she has apparently inherited some sort of villa in France. And so the family's trying to figure out why this person gave her this villa, what that means, and uh, things around that nature. The other big plot line, I don't need to explain to you because I can just say watch Singing in the Rain. Um, the, it is literally the same exact plot uh, as Singing in the Rain. Um, which, really? Which is the idea that movies are changing from... Uh, silent pictures to talkie pictures and the woman in the picture down they they ask Downton Abbey if they can film at the Abbey and uh, and so they're making this um, silent film that they have to convert into a talkie 
and the woman doesn't have a nice voice, and so it's uh, you know hard to do. Literally, the exact same plot as Singing yeah. in the Rain. So. And so Maggie Smith has to sing, you know, for her. <laughs> You're close. At the very end. You're close. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Dockery actually um, has mm-hmm. to do it, but uh, spoilers. Uh, so yeah, I I really do enjoy these characters. I enjoy this place. Um, I think if you're into the relationships of all the people here, you're going to find something interesting uh, with all of them. The show, despite being a hundred years ago uh, or set a hundred years ago, still finds ways to deal with some modern issues in some things that you know are uh, more modern. There's uh, definitely a a very uh, a very large homosexuality plot line uh, through one of the the butlers, uh, Barrow. That has been in the show. That was in the first movie. It is in this movie as well. Um, and there, there is part of me that's like, I hope this is realistic that this family would treat this this way. I just wonder if it would actually be like that. You know, like that kind of thing where it's like... In the 30s, it was illegal, you know? Yeah. So I just, I, you know, I wonder like... Um, that kind of thing, but I like the way the movie is choosing to do, uh, what it's doing. Um, yeah, I just, I, I had a really good time. Uh, Dominic Quest comes in, uh, and I'm trying to remember who plays the actress. Um, I don't see Daisy Ridley. (laughs) It's not Daisy Ridley. Uh, maybe Laura Haddock, um, if I'm reading this correctly, but anyways, they come in and do a great job. Hugh Dancy plays a director that comes in and so it's nice to add kind of new people to the situation um when you look at something like this andrew and it's not something you're into and maybe you did see the first movie i can't remember if we we reviewed it together or not um what would you think would appeal to you about like if you were like okay i'll start watching the show what what would that be what part would be the part that you're like that's the reason i would start watching this if the show does deal with like what's going on in the world around them, you know, like at the mm-hmm. time, like World War One and stuff like that, and yeah, it definitely does. Here's here's always been my biggest, and I, and I'm probably wrong, you know, but um, uh, social elitism mm-hmm. and like like it's a lot uh, of this rich is white sound, people. This is, yeah, here, yeah, here's. And this is going to sound awful, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and then I can you know uh, unpack it afterwards hearing uh stories about how you know social elites and very very rich white people have problems too mm-hmm. doesn't appeal to me it's why i don't watch succession you know right. because you know in my mind as someone who is definitely not in that that spectrum of the social mm-hmm. elite i don't want to hear that they have problems because i in my mind i want all my problems to be solved with money <laughs> <laughs> if Which I, I know money, isn't true. Everything would be perfect. Yeah, everything would be perfect. So, uh, but I understand. To err as human, you know, there's going to be problems. It doesn't money doesn't fix problems? It just creates new ones. Well, uh, and and to and to be fair, the show isn't just about the upstairs. It's also about the downstairs. In fact, that's what you'll hear people call it an upstairs downstairs drama. Which means it's about the social elite, but it's also about the working class who, you know, works underneath them and how they mm. relate. And okay. there are just as many characters from, you know, that are crucial parts to the show uh, that are from the maids, the butlers, the, you know, um, the people doing the 
the work for them as there are the people who are the lords and the ladies, you know, above. And the show also deals with how the times are changing by the time we get to the 20s and the 30s where that's really looked down upon and that they have to figure out what it means to have this giant abbey that that needs a staff of 30 people to help run it or whatever um, and what that means and if that's, you know, something they want to continue doing. So, um I don't know. It seems it seems like it handles that stuff in a fairly realistic way, which is one of the things I like about it. Uh, all right. Well, I think then here's what I will say as we finish out talking about Downton Abbey, a new era. Uh, this may be one that I'm just talking to a few people who love the show or a few people who have been curious. I understand that. I know that. Uh, I do know it was packed at the the viewing I went to. People were dressed in like. 20s and 30s wear oh, yeah. and like people, flappers yeah and all people the... dig this show and yeah. i am one of them so uh so you might want to check it out down abbey a new era is uh recommend from me before we head so into it, go ahead it does fit it does fit the overarching story with like the show and everything it fits in yes. well it doesn't feel like it's yeah. forced yeah the, the writing on this show always seems to do a good job of being since the first the first season was a little uneven but after the first season it really feels like it found its tone knows what it wanted to be um because you can kind of go two ways with soap operas right one way you can go is insanity you can just do the craziest plot lines, the, you know, um, aliens abducted kind of, the ghost yeah. of my, you know, uncle's um, hidden uh, Who is affair. Who is now the father you know. of my baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you can do that. Or you can kind of go with a more earnest approach of trying to do realistic and what it is. And I think the, the show kind of tried to do both a little bit when it first started. Uh, and went more into the earnest, uh, and I really like that because it feels authentic to me. These characters feel authentic, yeah. um, and and I really do enjoy them. So, so yeah, there you go. Downton Abbey, a new era. Before we head into the best ever challenge, a reminder that you can be a Sif Pop member uh, if you want to support Sif Pop and what goes on here. Feel free to do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash Pop. There are some pretty cool perks there that you can check out. Uh, including bonus podcasts. Uh, so we record some extra content for our members. This week we talked about our favorite A24 movies. If you're wondering which A24 movies we like the most, are the most interested in, and we even talked about some of the ones we dislike the most, uh, you yeah. can check that out as a Sift Pop member at patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And beyond all of that, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to those who do support and those who are even thinking about supporting and checking it out. Um, really appreciate it. That again is patreon.com slash At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, let's move into the best ever challenge. Uh, oh, let's do it. Okie dokie. Um, so we've got uh, Downton Abbey and men. Would we call the home in men a castle? It's it's pretty old, at least. There's a castle in men. But That's I don't true. Think. There you go. So uh, we're gonna do best ever movies with a castle. Um, pretty. We make this fairly broad. I went pretty specific. I think most of the ones I have have castles really featured in uh, the movie. 
Um, yeah. So uh, let's kick it off at number five. What do you got, Andrew? It's going to get Trump, but Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Have it at five. Let's talk about it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, most quotable movie ever. Funny. One of I the think that's right. Ever. I genuinely think that's correct. I genuinely think it is the number one most quotable movie of all time. Yeah. Maybe it fights with the Princess Bride for that. I don't know, but it's another movie you know, with a castle in it. That is true. Another well, spoilers. Uh, but yes, <gasps> um, uh, Monty Python is so quotable. Yeah, love it. Well, it's just one of the best comedies. Your number five was also Monty Python. Yeah, so we're on to your number four. Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, talk on it. Um, yeah, my favorite uh, Miyazaki film. It's brilliant. It's one of the very few that I recommend the English dubbing solely because the act, the voice actors they got were just astounding. Um, and that, that's me, you know, recommending the dubbed version, not solely because I'm a proponent of dubbing, but I think the dubbing is just fantastic. Great movie, uh, very weird, multiple, t- multiple viewings, and every single time you find something new to treasure and love about it. Good choice. Good choice. Your number four. Um, my number four is probably the biggest stretch of the category for me, but I think it works. I'm going with Citizen Kane. Um, and I, I just think that that, that is a cat, even it, because it specifically calls it a castle a couple times, and that may be a little bit metaphoric, uh, but it yeah. also starts with it in the background looking like a castle. And, you know, there is this, there is this idea of the modern, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word rich person, you know, who that is their yeah. castle and they've built, you know, a different yeah. kind of modern castle. Um, Citizen Kane is widely considered to be the best movie ever made by many, many people. Uh, I don't necessarily feel that way. However, I am well aware of what a transformative movie it was for the movie industry and what Wells did in Citizen Kane and why it is so respected. Um, it is pretty earth shattering filmmaking for the time um so yeah if you watch citizen kane i would highly recommend highly 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 recommend you watch the watching roger- the dub version well <laughs> yeah watching the roger ebert uh um track uh along with it he does a, a full commentary track on most of the discs that you can get and uh it is it'll help it'll give you some keen insight into why this is considered uh as great a movie uh, as it is so that's my number four is Citizen Kane. Yeah. I'll just echo everything you said. It's, yeah. It's not my favorite, but I understand why everybody has it as their number mm-hmm. one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what is your number three? Braveheart. Nice. In my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, I love Mel Gibson. His movies are always astounding and uh, kind of like in, um, in Men, he doesn't shy away from the graphicness of everything in a different way. It's more based in reality than men, but uh, it's, it's such a, you know, an amazing tale of the thing about Braveheart that a lot of people forget is the movie is, it's a love story, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a revenge love story and yeah, it's uh, Hey, there he is. Look at him. Um, (laughs) Audio podcast, audio podcast, Andrew. Why are we doing YouTube? Um, uh, for those of you, it's just a picture of Mel Gibson with the blue face paint popped up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's I, I love the movie. The score is incredible. It's it's a beautiful movie. 
Yeah, it is uh, very violent. Though. It is very violent, um, and that is certainly a Gibson aesthetic for sure. Um, but it yeah. is also earnest and emotional, and a really interesting retelling of that story. So, yeah, I don't begrudge the pick at all. Um, Your number three. My number three is Beauty and the Beast. Um, ah, yes. I uh, really enjoy this uh, movie, and it's right there in the heart of Disney's kind of golden age of animation. And, um, you know, it is Stockholm Syndrome, the movie, but uh, it is it is still... <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is still a, a pretty impressive feat, and it's gorgeous uh, as well. Um, yes. So, yeah. I could... Uh, great songs, too. Lots of really singable songs. So Wasn't it the first animated movie nominated for Best Picture? I believe so. Um, yeah. I believe that is the case. And there's only Good been a few. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your number two, I think? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, that is a pretty prominent castle. I guess I would have had this on my list if I'd have... The castles have tapestries. Mm -hmm, Yeah, Yeah, it's way prominent enough to be in this category. You're absolutely right. I just didn't think of it that way. Um, But I I really do enjoy this It's not the main focus of the movie, for sure. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's the best Indiana Jones movie. The dynamic between him and Sean Connery is impeccable. It's, It's funny, it's tense, it's... It's almost a perfect film. I'm starting to wonder, because you and I both have that opinion, uh, so say we all, uh, that this is the best uh, indie movie. Yes. I'm starting to wonder if that's actually the majority opinion now, because I hear it so many times, and I'm like, I just would assume Raiders is, you know, at least like on a serious film level, I think most people would put Raiders first for the importance of, you know, kind of Spielberg doing it and what it meant, but... um, I just think this is such a more rewatchable movie. It's so much more fun. Um, the dynamic between, uh, you know, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is so good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm starting to wonder if not only are we not alone, but if maybe more people actually think this than I that I thought. Um, so yeah, our crusade to convert. <laughs> it won't, hopefully, it won't be our last. It's bearing crusade. fruit. Yeah. Hopefully, it won't be our last one. Um, all right. My number two has been mentioned. I have Princess Bride uh, at number nice. two. Um, definitely Castle uh, involved in Princess Bride. Speaking of quotable movies, I think it does kind of battle uh, for one of the most quotable movies of all time. Yeah. Um, there are so many great moments, so many great scenes, uh, so well, I think so well toned. It's just such a pitch perfect tone throughout. Like it never feels like... And and again, maybe I'm thinking this because I'm looking at, uh, at Carrie uh, is, is Ellis. El- Ellis. Um, That's how I've always said it. It's probably Yules or something like that. Yeah, but, it probably is. Anyways, yeah. I, I'm looking at the star, one of the stars of Princess Bride, and thinking it doesn't quite ever push the needle towards Robin Hood men in tights. Like it never feels like you're no. getting towards parody. It feels it, it definitely feels authentic and sincere. Um, but it's also really really funny and willing to be yeah. in. Uh, kind of goofy land a little bit with some of the characters and how over the top they are. Um, it's 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 an insane balancing act to pull that off, uh, and I think it it just it does it really really well. And I think it gets away with a lot because it's a it's a storybook, right? It's an old man reading a story to his ailing son. Um, yeah. So yeah, also a Christmas movie. Uh, you know, despite never being in the, the conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's only whenever you get the, what is it, six, seven minutes of on-screen reality world, you know, that you can say that it's a, <laughs> yeah. a Christmas movie. Yes, exactly. Other than that, 
Um, all I love of this movie so much. There's there's very few movies that whenever I even think about the movie, it just makes me feel happy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and this is definitely one of those movies. Like, hey, have you seen Princess Bride? Oh yeah. It just puts a smile on your face even thinking about it. It does. It absolutely yeah. does. Uh, all right. I think we're on to our number ones, right? Yeah. All right. What is your number one best ever movie with a castle? The funniest movie of all time, Hot Fuzz. Oh, I didn't even consider this one, um, but you're absolutely right. Uh, I have no problems with this pick. Um, yeah. You like this movie? This- I've never heard you talk about it before. Yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> uh, any of the Cornetto trilogy movies, they're all brilliant comedies. Uh, yeah. This is a great cop comedy while at the same time being a great cop movie kind of like how Shaun of the dead is a great zombie comedy while at the same time being a really great zombie movie mm-hmm. yeah yep. um yeah it's the funniest movie ever made so it is it is very good um a really fun watch uh it is hot fuzz my number one shouldn't be Surprise to people uh, who know that there are castles in Middle Earth. Um, my, my number one is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's the real. It's the real number one. But uh, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's been in the number one of many best ever challenges uh, yeah. because it is one of my favorite movies uh, or series of movies of all time. And, and just a reminder, we do consider the three Lord of the Rings movies one movie, one movie, uh, one complete story. They were filmed at the same time. It's just divided up into three presentations. It really is. <laughs> You know what's funny? As I was thinking it, because obviously it is number one, mm-hmm. but um, as I was thinking, I'm like, are there any castles? Because they either call them keeps or, it's true. you know, no, 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 like you're not wrong. Castle is never said or right. towers or anything like right. that. Right. But yeah, they're definitely castles. <laughs> they're definitely castles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Helm's Deep is a castle. Yeah. Uh, Minas Tirith is a castle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll say it again. It, it's the real number one. I just didn't put it on my list because yeah. everybody should know by now. I am due for a rewatch on these. It has been way too long. I love these movies so much, and I, I really need to just sit down and watch all the extended editions again. I did. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It was a day. <laughs> it, <laughs> it would be. It, literally, yeah. it was a day. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I sitting I bet it was. down to watch all these. Uh, there you go. Those are top five. What about honorable mentions, Andrew? Did you have any other yeah, movies five. featuring a castle? Go for it. Um, uh, A24 movie, The Green Knight, we just talked mm-hmm. about. Sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. I got to do the director's cut. I can't emphasize enough. You yeah. got to do the director's cut on that movie. Yep. Um, my favorite movie of last year, The Last Duel, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, the, the uh, oh, that movie's so good. Number, uh, Young Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein mm-hmm, Castle. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Gotta love anything that Mel Brooks does. Uh, and then my number one honorable mention was Princess Bride. So, nice. Yeah. So, uh, I would also you? throw in Frozen, um, which I really enjoy. Um, would Gladiator count? Would those be castles? Um, I don't know. I don't. I I couldn't decide. So I I just. What you know, is I'm, Italy's castles called? <laughs> the Coliseum is not a castle. No. Uh, no. We'll just count it. Okay. Yeah, f- fair why enough. Not? Uh, and then yeah. Chitty, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang uh, features uh, a big castle as well, and uh, I find yeah. that movie really really fun. So. There you go. Best ever movies with a castle. If we missed yeah. anything, or you have anything you want to let us know, feel free to uh, hit us up. Feedback at Sip Pop. Dot com. All right, let's uh, let's do some buried treasure to finish this yeah. uh, off. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about right now? You want me to start? Yeah, go for it. 
Uh, season three of Love, Death, and Robots just dropped, and I binged it all in one day. How was it? I haven't watched it yet. I've watched the first two seasons. I think season three is my favorite season. Oh, okay. Uh, out of all of them. Um, I consistently was, uh, good? Like all the consistently episodes? Consistently good. Uh, I, there was maybe one or two episodes where I'm like, uh, it was a little, little bit of a lull. But uh, the the variety that you get with Love, Death, and Robots has always been one of my favorite things. Like from art style to, you know, story story beats and stuff like that. There is the very last episode in this. I think it's called Jubero. It's a... Uh, uh, it's difficult to explain. It's it's not my favorite of this season. I'll just say that. But it's the one that stuck with me the most. It's it's beautiful on a level that's hard to describe. Hmm. Like, I keep going back to that. And it brought me to tears based solely off of just how beautiful it is. Oh, my. And no words are spoken during the, that entire segment. It's a... Uh, it's wow. really interesting. Yeah. You've got my you've got my interest peaked. <laughs> there is um there are two episodes in this like which just have me rolling laughing. There's one called uh, uh I think miniature zombies or something like that, where everything is told from like a zoomed out, sped up perspective, like how you would see miniatures done, you know, just like people mm-hmm. about this big just running around. And it's it's as it's how a zombie apocalypse starts and how it ends. It goes from that to the ending in like three minutes. Hmm. I've just sped up Benny Hill, like seeing things run around like ants. It's wild. Oh, it was so funny. And then there's one with a, a a marine platoon taking on a robot bear. That was hilarious too. Nice. Um, yeah, that's that's a weird sentence to say. What percentage? Ever... What percentage this season would you say? Percentage love, percentage death, percentage robots. Love, I would say eighty percent. Okay. Uh, death, a hundred percent. Robots, surprisingly, maybe fifty percent. Interesting. Not many robots this season. I mean, it's basically a, a way of saying. Uh, sex, violence, and sci-fi, right? Like that's kind of what that's it's exactly what it is. Yeah, 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 and it's and it's really kind of that heavy metal aesthetic, right? Like this is the yeah. kind of the modern idea of heavy metal, which is like we're going to take the extremes of life, um, things that are often considered vulgar or whatever, and we're going to put yeah. them in sci-fi stories, cool sci-fi stories. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's love, death, death, and robots. Um, yeah, yeah. So, my yeah. favorite episode, I'll just throw out real quick. I think it's called Bad Voyage. It's the either the first or the second one that you see. Mm-hmm. just astounding storytelling yeah uh jagged asks are any of the episodes and this is our live chat uh yeah. are any of the episodes as amazing as the christmas one from last season that was a great episode that was a crazy episode we're yeah. talking about the one with a uh, demon santa mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um yeah that one stuck with me for sure i'm surprised how short some of these are some of these are only three minutes long really how many are yeah, there the- this this season Ten, I 10? think. Okay. Ten or eleven, yeah. Like the uh, the one I was talking about, the uh, zombie one that's all sped up really quick. That's like three and a half minutes. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Not all of them are like that though, but uh, yeah. Uh, I, this is probably my favorite season because it's the most consistent. Would you yeah. say it's probably just like between an hour and an hour half watch if you watched them all together, or do you remember something like that? Yeah, I don't think any one is more than twenty minutes long. Okay. So. They probably average out, what, around eight minutes? Something like that? Uh, probably average roughly around eight or ten minutes. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. Love, Death, and Robots Season 3 is out. Uh, that is on Netflix. Um, yes. HBO Max is where I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to talk about the new season of Flight Attendant, the Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Um, sell me, Aaron. Sell me on the show. <laughs> well, it's interesting because HBO puts out a lot of shows, and yes. they're always generally successful. I remember when uh, Flight Attendant came out with Season 1, and I remember watching and enjoying it. Kaylee Cuoco, I think, is phenomenal in this show. I think she's so perfect for this role. She's hilarious. I love um, uh, a lot of the other actors that are in this as well. It has a really interesting, fun sense of humor. It's also doing some interesting things, and it's not afraid to get emotional. All that stuff is true of season one. It also appears to be true of season two. Now, I've seen the first four episodes of season two. I believe all but the finale have aired, quote-unquote aired. Um, and actually, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't know if this is on HBO or not, or if it's just HBO Max. I actually, uh, it's I, like my perspective on that has so changed. Like, I, I never watch anything on television. I so. think it's HBO Max exclusive. Is it exclusive to HBO Max? I think um, it is. So, anyhow, uh, season yeah, two, Max original. Season two completely, completely changes from season one. And what I mean by that is, it's an entirely new plot. This is a show, and I love this, it's almost like the season, it's like anthology seasons, where now we're doing something completely different. Even the concept has changed. If you remember uh, the season one concept, she uh, she woke up in bed with somebody who had been murdered, and then it was solving that mystery, what happened, uh, who was responsible, all that kind of stuff was kind of the mystery, and part of her solving process was this dead guy would appear in her visions or dreams and they would have conversations uh, about things. Now, it wasn't supernatural in that he was giving her any information she didn't already know. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, clues from the grave. It was more just that was the kind of the concept. So in this season, there's another mystery, a completely different mystery. This is very much a murder mystery kind of show, which I I really enjoy. Um, And in this one, she's not seeing the victim She's seeing different versions of herself. And so she's having conversations with different versions of herself about mm. the mystery and trying to solve it. And um, it, it really lives or dies on uh, Kaylee Cuoco's uh, talent. And if you're not digging what she's doing, you probably won't like the show. But I, I am totally digging it and um, and I'm enjoying the first half of season two. So I'm excited to see where the rest of it goes. But wanted to let people know about that because it really does feel way under the radar. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this this show, um, but I do enjoy no, it. No, honestly, that's why I was asking you to sell me on it because I, it pops up every single time like a new episode of Barry comes out and I pull up Max. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, by the way, Barry, real quick, uh, I had to get caught up because I'd only seen the first season. Mm-hmm. So I watched season two. There's an episode with a Taekwondo guy and his daughter. Uh huh. It might be like one of my favorite episodes of any show ever. ever. Yeah. No, yeah. you're not wrong. It's a great episode of TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll pick up Flight Attendant. Yeah. It's, is, is, is worth a pick. It's worth a watch. Obviously, I enjoy it. Considering yeah. all the stuff I haven't watched yet that I decided to watch this above a lot of that stuff should tell you how much I enjoy watching it. Um, and I am kind of in that zone now that I'm that I'm falling behind on so much of my television. I'm in that zone where if I have time to watch TV, I just want to watch something that makes me happy and like you know uh, is fun for me to watch. Um, it's why I've missed some of the other you know big kind of like 
darker kind of shows. I think of um, whatever the one that Andrew Garfield was just in and or maybe currently in. It may still be airing. I'm not sure. Um, and then We Own the Night was another one on HBO that a lot of people are talking about. I'm just like, I'm not sure. I just like I I just want to if I've got a, if I've got time, I just want to smile. City. Yeah, We Own the City. That's what it is. Yeah, we own the nice one with Joaquin Phoenix and Marky Mark. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, it should say something that this is one that I've I've chosen to kind of dig into when I have a couple extra minutes. So um, so yeah, there you go. The Flight Attendant season two is on HBO Max, and Love, Death, and Robots season three is on Netflix. Well, we did a podcast, Andrew. Huzzah! Between the two of us, we managed to make it happen. Um, really, really impressed with both of us. We deserve all the accolades, all of them. Yes. Every last one. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Who's Andrew? I'm Rory Kinnear. (laughs) (laughs) Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the show. Who's Uh, also Rory Kinnear. (laughs) Aren't we all? Aren't we all, unfortunately? Uh, much love and gratitude as well to our Sif Pop members uh, for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. Um, you can have all the bonus episodes at a level, some other different fun perks at different levels. Just check all that out at patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you'd like to email us, you can do that too. We know how to do that. It's uh, feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than bisecting your arm with a mail slot. Uh, We will be back. uh, (laughs) We will be back next week uh, in the danger zone, Andrew. Taking a highway to the danger zone. Man, I wish I had some aviators around. I could just pop on. Uh, I'm currently thinking for our second review, Bob's Burgers. We'll see. Uh, I'll let you know for sure uh, at some point this week. why are you picking all these shows I've never seen a single episode of? (laughs) But that one at least will be funny. Uh, Like, you should be able to stand up on its own. It's always nice sometimes to have a perspective of somebody who doesn't watch the show and if the movie works without watching the show. Which, by the way, I will have that perspective. I've only watched one episode of Bob's Burgers, so I'm not exactly uh, someone who watches the show either. But um, those might be our reviews next week. We'll certainly talk Top Gun, and uh, we will see you then. Bye. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.